0: You've been listening to The Raven by David Jack Fletcher. That's it for this week. Thanks for being here with us, and we'll see you at the same time next week for more spooky tales. Enjoy your October, folks, and we'll talk again soon. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. And that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username VikingGuitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listeners, and whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 5. I'm your host, Eric Peabody, and this story isn't what you're expecting. There will be no unfortunate rapping at our chamber doors. This story is about single father Ted and daughter Ava, who have just moved to the town of Ravensfield, where a slew of teenage disappearances are met with silence. The principal, Laura, suspects the school mascot, the Raven, who's been living in the school basement. The Raven, who has gifted Ava with a strange necklace. When Ava turns violent, Ted and Laura investigate the mascot, uncovering a demonic presence in the school with its sights set on Ava. Ted rushes to save his daughter from an ancient evil using her for its rebirth. But can he get to her in time? You're listening to the Standard Edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. I mentioned they were ad free. Thank you for your support. And now, from author David Jack Fletcher, I give you The Raven. Put the knife down. Ted tried to stay calm in situations where most people would panic. Ava held a knife to his throat, and his world collapsed. But he couldn't show his emotion. Not now. Not with the blade pressed against his jugular. The girl had just turned 16, and after five days in a new school in a new town, Ted thought the change was too much. His new job was at the high school of Ravensfield, an all-but-dead town in the middle of nothing. Miles around their new house were farms, crops, and horses that were too hot and bothered to do much of anything. Even so, Ava had seemed excited to start a new adventure, compiling lists of things to talk about with her new teachers and strategies to make new friends. Having same-sex parents was a go-to these days, so the internet had said, even if one of them was dead. It wasn't taboo anymore, and so, at the top of her list was my dad's. But after the first day, she'd rushed through the front door and stomped to her room, bypassing Ted's anxious smiles. It was the first time since she'd been told she was adopted and that neither father was her biological relative that Ava had seemed so distant. Even then, it had only lasted a few hours. Now, day five, and she had a knife to his throat. To keep him from doing anything stupid, she'd said. He was on the floor, his daughter kneeling over him, animal eyes prowling around the room like she expected company. A gold chain dangled from her neck, swinging above Ted's eyes. He didn't recognize it. Ted put his hands up, palms out in defeat, and repeated his earlier plea. Put the knife down, honey. His voice was quiet. Drops of sweat pooled around his hairline, and he knew she could see it. Her eyes flicked to his trembling hands, and she shook her head in defiance. "'Don't make me go back there,' Ava said, teeth gritted. "'I won't go back to that school.' Ted knew something was wrong at school, but Ava wouldn't talk about it. None of the kids would. Just mumbled about the raven. "'What happened?' Ted asked. "'Is this about the missing kids?' Ava's face flashed with sadness and fear. Her grip on the knife loosened and she looked at the blood, looked down at her father. "'Oh, Daddy!' she cried. "'What have I done?' Ted took the opportunity and pulled himself from Ava's grasp. He grabbed the knife and tossed it across the living room. It clanged against the tiled floor as he wrapped Ava in his arms." Talk to me, sweetie, Ted managed through a gush of tears. It's the raven, Ava cried into Ted's chest. It's evil. With Ava sedated on sleeping pills, Ted felt okay about leaving her alone. The school principal had been open to an after-hours meeting that same day, and Ted was still counting his lucky stars when he pulled up to the parking lot at 7 p.m., Heading to the principal's office, he felt eyes on the back of his neck and was conscious that the shadows were morphing into strange shapes. Something was happening at the school that had terrified his daughter, and he intended to find out what. He hoped the principal would have some answers. Dr. Cutter? His hand was poised at the door when the voice broke. Ted pushed through the door and smiled. Please, just call me Ted. Principal Wernos shook his hand. They'd met last month over a digital interview and again a few days earlier when he started as the school counselor. Call me Laura. Ted took a seat in the office. A small tabletop lamp provided dim light for the meeting. A ceiling fan blew warm air around the room. My daughter, Ava, he said, lifting one knee over the other. Has raised some concerns about this raven of yours. With those kids going missing recently, I had to say something. Laura squirmed at the mention of the mascot and held back a frown. The edges of her lips betrayed her, but Ted suspected the untrained eye would have missed it. His training was second nature now. Is Ava okay? Laura swallowed. She watched Ted for a few moments as he recounted the attack earlier that evening. She seemed to be sizing him up. Her eyes moved between him and the door, which had been left ajar. She leaned across the desk, their eyes now fixed on each other, and took a long, slow breath. "'Ted, I'm sorry,' she whispered. "'Something strange is going on in this school.' her eyes shifted to the door again. It's the kids. Waiting for more, Ted found himself on the edge of his seat. Laura opened her mouth to continue, tucked her auburn hair behind her ears, and flashed a look at the door again, like she was waiting for someone to come in. What did Ava tell you? Before he could speak, the lamp flickered and went out. The whoosh of the fans stopped and they both looked to the ceiling. Laura gulped as the two sat in silence in the dying light. The door swung shut behind them, and Laura jumped, a hand to her heart. She went to the door, peered through the glass pane with her name on it, and turned back to Ted. Her eyes wide, she slid down the door and put a finger to her lips. Get down, she hissed. A shadow appeared behind the door and Ted dove under Laura's desk, his own heart pounding. The figure stopped by the door, raised a hand to the glass and scratched at Laura's nameplate. Ted watched the shadow as it moved along the hallway outside, Laura's eyes blazing into him, begging him to signal it was safe. He nodded. She moved to her knees "'gripped the windowsill and peered through. "'Though he didn't know for what, "'Ted waited and held his breath until Laura exhaled. "'Did you see it?' she asked him. "'Ted shook his head. "'Laura moved back around her desk, "'pulled open a drawer and lifted out a gun. "'Her eyes glided over the silver weapon "'as it shone through the bleak light. "'What the hell is that for?' Ted stepped back. I'm going to level with you. Laura held the gun firmly by her side and put a hand palm down on the desk. There's something wrong with our mascot. At first, I thought, with the missing kids. But it's something else. Ted stared at her, unsure what to make of this. I'm calling the police. He reached for his phone. But the screen was dark he tapped it dead like the lamp and the fan he raised his eyes to laura who didn't look surprised it started about three months ago over break you know the girls have been going missing laura didn't blink the words coming from her like she'd had this conversation a hundred times before but the boys they're getting violent And I think it's got something to do with Daryl, our mascot.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that, and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com that's a n g i.com
0: the raven stalked the hallways dripping muck and blood with each step its feathers melted to its body still forming the change was almost complete clawed feet tapped at the linoleum flooring as it walked back to its hideout The girl was inside, waiting, sobbing, begging to a god that wasn't watching, a god that didn't care, a god that gave up on the town of Ravensfield. Its beak, razor sharp, pushed the door open with a creak, alerting the child chained in the basement that it was feeding time. The crying and moaning excited the bird, it stepped down the concrete stairs, wings dragging along the walls, leaving a trail of muck to drip to the floor. "'I want my mommy!' the girl begged. The raven tilted its head, hollow eyes staring at the tender flesh, and lunged toward her. Ava awoke in a cold sweat, sucking air into her lungs with greedy, deep breaths and sharp exhales. She was nauseous and her stomach ached. Hair matted to her face, sweat like glue, she tried to push the nightmare from her brain. The raven, tearing skin from bone. The child, screaming in the dark. Another one. Wiping strands of wet hair from her eyes and mouth, Ava sat up in bed, trembling, head throbbing. Her entire body was slick with sweat, skin crawling with goosebumps. The pain in her stomach came again, and she breathed through it, clutched at the gold chain around her neck. Dim light flowed into her room between cracks in the shutters. Remnants of the dream or was it a memory, clung to the inside of her eyelids and she shook the imagery away, the raven's blood-soaked beak pulling at veins and tearing through the muscle. The violent impulses were bubbling under the surface, even now, but they were outweighed by the shame she felt. With a gasp, she remembered what she'd done that afternoon. Her dad was a beautiful man, She loved him more than anything. The raven could not take that away from her. He'd said he was going to see the principal tonight. Ava lifted the bedsheets and twisted to the side, knowing she had to get to the school. But her stomach lurched, her vision swirling into nothing but static. The impulses started again. They started in her stomach as though her life force was turning on her the rage that led her to hold a knife to her father's throat. Her veins filled with hatred and sharp pain ran up the back of her neck. She tried to fight, to remember love and happiness, but the pain pulsated through her body. All that remained was despair, hatred. A deep cold washed over her, Everything inside her wanted to stab someone's eyes out. An offering for the raven. Her throat tightened, her chest convulsed, and Ava opened her mouth to vomit. She tilted her head to the side and let the liquid soak into the sheets and the mattress. The static in her eyes cleared, just a little, and she saw the vomit was black. Muck. And that's when she remembered what happened on her first day of school, remembering the janitor. Choking back a scream, Ava lay in the vomit, the stench somehow familiar, and fell back to sleep. The impulse to kill thumped in her stomach. Nobody knew much about Daryl. Laura recounted his interview a few months earlier and how the requisite police checks turned out nothing. But as far as his personal life, she drew a blank. All she had were vague, contradictory details, like how he'd said he was from the South during the interview, but, in subsequent conversations, had shrugged and told her he moved around a lot. All she knew for sure, she told Ted, was that he worked in an old bookstore before applying for a janitorial position at the school. The school mascot gig came later, a bonus payment to help make ends meet. That was when the kids started disappearing. Laura had her suspicions from the start, but they were no more than a gut feeling. As they tiptoed down the hallways toward the exit, hissing back and forth about Daryl, Ted heard a sharp sound behind him. He spun around. The raven. Arms lined with large feathers, as though transforming into wings. But the creature still had the hands of a man. A human neck, but black. Hollow raven's eyes and a razor-sharp beak, like a knife ready to cut into the flesh. Its chest was puffed out like a bird, With the school logo front and center, and its legs bent backward at the knees, thinning out to clawed feet. It was wet with some kind of muck dripping from the suit. In the fading daylight, Ted thought he saw real feathers underneath the slick surface, as though it wasn't a suit at all. The raven stepped toward them. Laura fumbled with her gun as the clawed feet scraped against the floor. Stay away, Laura begged. Her voice cracked, but her arm was steady, outstretched with the gun aimed at the raven. Ted looked closer. The muck was mixed with blood, spots of red glistening. The drops were heavy, splatting to the ground with a wet squish. I don't think that's Daryl, Ted muttered and turned to flee. The raven rushed toward them, wings outstretched, and sent a soulless cry through the hallways. Laura pulled the trigger, the bullet sinking into the raven's chest. It didn't flinch. She tried again. Come on! Ted pulled on her arm. The third bullet missed, and Laura followed Ted toward the school's front entrance. It was chained, and as Ted pushed hard against the doors, He saw heavy rain careening toward the earth, lightning stirring in the clouds. Laura was down around the corner, high heels clicking into the distance, and Ted ran to follow. The raven snatched at his shirt from behind, and Ted felt the muck on his neck. It burned a little, and he fought to pick up the pace, but it was too late. The raven's hands were on him, pulling him to the ground. His face smacked against the floor, his head ringing from the force, and the raven jumped onto his back. A gunshot tore through the hallway, and the raven, poised to tear into Ted's neck, stopped. Three months earlier. He'd never been serious about the occult or demons or whatever. It was just a hobby. A while back, he'd been so deep in a search engine rabbit hole looking through books on the occult for the store. That's when he saw it. Sometimes things spoke to him without words. He heard it loud and clear, felt it like a compulsion, like his whole body wanted him to hear the unspoken words. This had been one of those times. Hala. An old leather-bound book with Slavic inscriptions. It was fate. It had to be. His father and his father's father were Slavic. He caressed the computer screen, feeling the static biting at his fingertip, and knew he had to have it. When it arrived, his hobby changed. He didn't know why or how, but the book told him to do things. To move to a town called Ravensfield. As much as he tried to ignore the demands, something inside him knew he'd like it, knew he'd enjoy the taste. The first girl, Isabel, was an outcast like him. The book chose her. But it didn't feel right when she was down in his basement, tied up and screaming through the socks stuffed in her mouth. He wasn't a murderer. As he'd moved to untie the girl to apologize and beg for forgiveness, the book flipped open. The ritual. Seven sacrifices and a vessel. Isabel would be the first, and despite his rational mind urging him against it, he lunged toward her and sunk his teeth into her neck. From the girl's blood... An object began to form, but it was soft and shapeless, like unformed clay. As he burped the last of the girl away, her organs absorbed into him, changed him. He knew what needed to be done. Six more, and the object would be complete. Then he'd find the vessel, but first he needed recruits, more like him, And he knew just where to go to get them. Heading for the stairs, back to the world of the living, the book whispered to him again. He looked at the mascot suit, the raven, and pulled it on. Yes, he thought as the bird head slipped over his human facade. This is what I am now. Laura stepped closer. Flashing the gun and the dying light. Ted couldn't hear her words, but the sharpness in her tone was enough. The strength in her voice. The gunfire. The raven fell off of him, hissing toward the principal as it collided with the floor. Its clawed feet ripped at Ted's flesh, the pain searing through him. But he got to his feet in a daze of confusion, letting Laura pull him away from the mascot. "'In here!' Laura pushed through a door, and the words, "'Staff Only,' glimmered in the night. The door slammed behind them, Laura flicking a feeble lock, and they piled down a staircase into the basement. A light hung from the ceiling, and Ted pulled the cord. A dim yellow glow revealed an unmade bed in a dank corner of the room. Sheets sprawled in a mess." sweat and urine wafting from the fabric cleaning supplies and an open bottle of bleach by a shower that hadn't been maintained for some time the stench of mold was almost too much but the bleach cut through it stinging Ted's eyes someone lived down here through the discomfort he scanned the room stopping at the brick wall painted in blood still wet dripping to the floor. A shrine of severed heads, tips of the spines jutting out, decorated the floor in a circle. A thick leather-bound book sat open in the middle, the eyes of the raven's victims staring into the writing. Half-melted candles lined a homemade shelf, an inscription carved into the bricks. Further along, the wall was a blood portrait of a half-human, half-bird monster. Ted brought a hand to his heart and let out a shocked gasp as thunder and lightning rolled toward them from outside. A blue glow flashed through the basement from a small window, level with the ground outside. Laura vomited despite herself, holding a hand over her mouth to stop the flow, but it streamed through the gaps in her fingers. She stepped toward the wall and... Breathing hard, choked out, "'What the fuck is this?' Reaching to the book, Ted pulled at a fabric bookmark jutting out of the bottom of the pages. He flicked it open and scanned through it. "'The Aloe Thunder crashed just beyond the basement window, and rain pummeled at the fragile piece of glass." Ted repeated the words, and the thunder sounded closer as though the storm had responded to the name. What is that? Laura asked, brow furrowed, wiping her hand on her trousers and looking out the window at the storm. A demon, Ted replied, his eyes fierce. Slave to the Hala. A child eater. Despite how the raven appeared, Ted wasn't ready to believe in demons despite what they'd seen. He was a man of science. Cannibalism could explain the missing kids, but not this. Not a demon preying on the town's youth. Nonetheless, he continued reading. It brings extreme changes to the weather the rain, the dead crops. It's all the Alaviti. It can take many forms. The raven is just one of them. The Alavidi are men with characteristics of the more common female demon, the Hala. Alavidi don't usually eat children, but it's not unheard of. Ted scanned a few more pages in horror, devouring passages about the Alaviti recruiting male children to do its bidding. It described a cult, but didn't explain what was happening here. But Ted's subconscious mind was shouting at him, begging him to pay attention. He'd seen these pages, but hadn't noticed something. Flipping back, his eyes stopped on an image. A gold necklace. Those same inscriptions from the walls were carved into the surface. Ava. The thin chain held tight to her skin as Ava leaned over the edge of the mattress, heaving. It felt hot against her beating chest, even through her pajamas, stinging her skin. Instinct told her to hold the gold necklace to her heart while chunks of yesterday's dinner spewed to the ground. Breathing through another convulsion, Ava laid back, sweat oozing from her body, The pain in her stomach was sharp, like something was squirming inside of her. She lifted her pajama shirt and drew her eyes downward. Black veins stretched across her torso. Ava pressed a finger to her stomach and felt movement deep within her again. Despite the stench of vomit and sweat, she focused on the rain drumming against the window, clutched the necklace tight in both hands, She pleaded for her father to return, to take her away from this place, prayed into the gold necklace, terrified of what was happening inside of her body. Thunder clapped against the sky, and a figure appeared in the doorway. It's going to be okay, it said. Ava lifted her head as far as she could and squinted through the bleak room. The figure walked in. She didn't recognize the face, but the symbol on his jacket was all too familiar. A football jacket. The Ravensfield claws. When she'd first heard that name, she'd giggled at the lack of imagination. But now, laying weak and helpless in her bedroom, the logo made her tremble. You're going to be okay, Ava. The voice drew closer. Others in the football team followed him into the bedroom, eyes boring into her with a look Ava couldn't identify. Another crash of thunder lit up the room for a moment. The team formed a circle and knelt around her bed. The first boy, Team Captain Jimmy Lowe, stood over her. The team began a low hum, which turned into a chant. Ava didn't recognize the language. What are you going to do to me? Ava asked, her voice hoarse. The necklace began to burn into her skin. Jimmy frowned. It isn't what we're going to do to you, he said. It's what you're going to do for us. She gripped her necklace again, the heat searing her hands, and wished harder than she had ever before that her dad would burst through the door. But she knew. Nobody was going to help her. Jimmy pressed a hand over the girl's mouth and held it there. Ava wept hard, almost watching herself from above as Jimmy and the claws lifted and carried her down the stairs, then out the front door and into the storm toward the school. I have to get home. Ted's voice and body were shaking as he looked at the image of the necklace. How she'd gotten it was unknown, but the page's description was undeniable. The Alavidi, the raven, banging on the basement door, was collecting materials. The children's bones, blood, and organs. For the arrival of the Hala. Seven sacrifices... Ted swallowed hard and focused on breathing, afraid to continue reading. The pages depicted the ritual in clear detail. The contents were unlike anything he could imagine, specific ways to dismember the bodies. Certain sections of flesh could not be eaten and must remain untouched for the ritual to succeed until the vessel was chosen. From the remains of the children grew an artifact, The necklace was imbued with the demon's spirit and an ancient inscription. The artifact chose a vessel, a beating heart to feed on, to steal from. The chosen one must consume the untainted flesh of the sacrifices to give life to the hala. Ted ignored the banging on the basement door and focused on the text. He digested every word. His stomach turning with each description and knowing that the mascot had carried out each step to the letter. To his baby girl. He searched the text for any indication of what happened to the vessel once the ritual was complete. He found nothing and feared the worst. Ava has the necklace, Ted told Laura, her hands clasped around her mouth. She's the vessel. The banging stopped. Ted and Laura turned to the door. Laura lifted the gun, aimed it toward what they both knew was coming, and waited. The bleak light swinging above them went out. The door burst open, and the raven's inhuman leg crashed into the darkness. Something had happened to the mascot. It was less human than before, more transformed. The mascot suit was just a shell, a skin that the creature was shedding. Chunks of the suit and the once-human skin dwelling beneath dropped to the floor in clumps, and the raven stepped toward them. Laura fired, but in the darkness, the bullet missed. Her hands shook too much. She couldn't focus. The raven approached, wings outstretched beak wide. A row of sharp teeth grew from the beak, and its jaw stretched wider than either Ted or Laura could have imagined. She fired her weapon again, but knew that it was useless. She squeezed her finger against the trigger once more, but Ted pulled at her arm. We have to get out of here! He dragged her toward the window as a bolt of lightning crashed outside. It was small, He didn't know if they'd be able to squeeze through, but there was no other option. The raven stalked toward Ted, a shrill cry reverberating through the basement. He torpedoed the book through the brittle glass and then lifted Laura. She cut her hands on shards as she pulled herself through the window. Laura crawled out the window, ignoring the pain in her arms and elbows, grabbed at the book, and ran into the storm. Ted jumped, clung to the windowsill, and pulled himself up. He called for Laura, but she was gone. The rain smacked against the concrete outside as Ted shimmied through the small hole. The raven gripped Ted's legs with both arms, the heat from the black muck melting through his pants. He cried in pain and begged for Laura to help, but knew she wouldn't come. As the raven pulled Ted back inside the dark basement, his fingernails scraped against the wet cement. He grabbed onto the sides of the broken window, slashing open his forearms and palms, and held on with all his might. The raven threw him back to the ground. He hit the floor hard, his upper body soaked from the rain, and he hid the glass shard behind his back as he sat up. The raven grinned through the darkness, its yellow teeth like a fluorescent light, the hard beak curling up at the sides. An impossible sight that sent Ted's heart into his throat. What do you want? He screamed at the creature, gripping the shard. It was soaked in red now, slippery from the blood seeping through the slashes on his forearms. The raven didn't answer. It closed its wings around its body, covering the school logo on its chest, and walked toward him, tilted its head to one side. Its eyes, black and hollow, looked straight into him, searched him for something, and Ted felt its presence moving inside of him, prying into the depths of his soul. Closing its eyes, The raven began to recite a phrase. Ted didn't know the words, but he recalled seeing them in the book. A passage. What was it about? To see if he was worthy of being an Alavidi. He couldn't think with the raven searching him, seeking to know him. You might as well kill me, Ted said, struggling to stand. I will never be like you. The raven opened its eyes and lunged at Ted, dragging him back to the ground. Teeth bared, beak pecking at his throat and neck. Shoving his weakening forearm under the raven's chin, pushing into its neck, he tried to fight it off. His other hand reached for the glass shard. It sliced his fingers as he gripped it and screamed into the raven's face, plunging the shard into the creature's eye. Black muck spewed from the eye like a geyser, pouring into Ted's own eyes and mouth, but he didn't stop. He stabbed again and again, slicing the raven's face open. The raven retreated, the shard deep inside its head, and fell to the ground. Lightning crashed again, and Ted saw the window. He leapt toward it, pulled himself through, and crawled like a newborn into the rain gushing from the heavens. His arms were weak. He'd lost so much blood. But he managed to stand and stumbled away from the basement, knowing only one thing for certain. He had to get home to Ava. Ava dreamed of drowning, wished the water spilling from the heavens would fill her lungs until she could no longer breathe, begged for a way out, for this to end. The claws carried her through the rain, reciting those same words repeatedly, drilling them into her brain. She was weak. The gold necklace sunk into her skin. It felt as though the object was attached to her heart moving up and down in rhythm to the steady beat. Jimmy looked back at her every now and then and smiled. Even in her dazed state, she could tell it was more than confidence. It was a knowing look. He was waiting for something. Maybe for someone. They walked through the school parking lot, and the claws put her down on the front steps banged on the door and waited. She knew who was coming. Her stomach ached at the memory of chewing down the flesh. The raven watched her, holding her mouth open and throwing in more. She'd coughed and choked, but Ava had done the unthinkable when the raven forced her mouth shut and held her nose. She'd eaten the remains of her classmates. But the memory was distant, a nightmare brought forth by an unknown force. She had woken in the middle of class, screaming, the other students laughing at her and filming the insanity for Instagram and TikTok. The sickness inside of her had begun to grow, the hatred, the rage, until her father had asked one too many times what was wrong. He was here at the school, with the raven. It's all my fault. She knew that wasn't true, but it didn't matter. Something squirmed in her stomach, and the claws responded with an excited groan. Whatever was going to happen, it would be soon. Jimmy banged on the door again, impatient. He called out to someone, but his voice was silenced by a gunshot tearing through the storm. Ava tried to look and see what was happening, but couldn't. The football team surrounded her as though she were precious cargo. Get away from her, a female voice said, or the next shot won't miss. Ted staggered through the rain at the sound of gunfire, holding on to the school's brick walls as he went. His vision was fading. He knew he needed to bandage his wounds or he wouldn't see the morning. Turning a corner toward the front of the school, he saw the claws with their hands raised. Laura pointed her gun at them and cradled the book. "'Laura!' Teg called. She ignored him and stepped toward the boys. "'Let her go!' she repeated. Her voice was firm. They moved aside, each hesitant step smaller than the last. But through the gaps, Ted saw his daughter lying on the school's front steps. "'Ava!' He limped to her, feet almost numb, and fell to her side. He ran his fingers over her hair and bent down to kiss her forehead. She gazed up at him, whispered, "'Daddy!' and then shut her eyes." It's too late, one of the footballers said. Ted recognized him as the team captain and asked him what he meant. Jimmy shrugged and pointed behind them. Ted followed the boy's finger, held Ava tight as the raven appeared in the storm, half of its face disguised by black muck. Moving Ava into a sitting position and wrapping his arms around her, Ted screamed for the raven to leave them alone. Laura ran to their side, guns still threatening the teenagers. But they didn't seem bothered by the weapon anymore. The raven gave them power. Like I said, Jimmy repeated, It's too late. Look. He nodded toward Ava. Ted looked down at his daughter black veins covering her body and watched a lump forming in her stomach. He lifted her shirt to see and recognized the shape of a hand pushing out of the skin. Before he could react, the hand moved up toward Ava's chest. The girl groaned in pain and clutched at her necklace. She opened her mouth to scream, but the hand filled her throat, silencing her pain. Ava broke free from Ted's arms, fell to her hands and knees, and convulsed with the Raven and the football team reciting those unknown words, louder and louder, over the thumping rain. Ted and Laura moved to see what was happening. The hand pulled itself from Ava's mouth, exposing an elbow. A face appeared inside Ava's throat, slick with black muck, and the exposed arm dragged itself across the concrete to pull the face free. A razor-sharp beak and hollow eyes, just like the raven. It was not the face of anything human. Hala, the claws murmured, raising their arms to the sky and screaming the demon's name. Hala, be thy queen! The raven stepped forward, pushing Ted and Laura aside, and knelt in front of Ava. It took the hand in its own, caressed the newborn face, and pulled hard. The creature sprung forth from Ava, who collapsed onto the ground, unconscious. The demon curled in the fetal position in the raven's arms, and Ted moved to his daughter's side. Holding his daughter her body limp, Ted felt his own eyes grow heavy. Despite the rain, his arms were stained from his wounds and he knew it was too late. There was no coming back from this. He turned to Laura and whispered, Get Ava out of here. But the woman's mouth was agape, her eyes red with tears, and she shook her head. The claws encircled them. Jimmy snatched the gun from Laura and tossed it away. As Ted fought to keep his eyes open, the newborn demon, the Hala, began to take shape. Half human, half bird. A raven. Its empty eyes scanned the area, sized up the teenage boys, and looked back to the raven. A decision was made in a language shared only between them, and both sprung to life. The claws screamed in confusion as the demons tore their bodies apart, gulping down their flesh. Despite his best efforts, Ted fell back into darkness. Ava woke to silence. The raven and the Hala stood over her gentle feathers tracing her cheekbones and chin, taking her in, adoring her. She crawled backward on her hands, kicking out at the creatures before her until her hands hit something familiar. Looking down, she saw her dad, unmoving and covered in blood. Tears streamed from her face as she stared at her father's corpse. She looked away, tried to blink the reality into nothingness and saw the claws, the principal. What was left of them, scattered around the school parking lot, half-eaten. The necklace didn't burn anymore. It just sat atop her skin as a necklace ought to, but the inscriptions were different. She could read them. The bearer of this chain will bring forth Queen Hala. Ava eyed the principal's weapon, still clutched in her dead hands, and moved to reach for it. The raven and the hala moved toward her. A glimmer appeared in their hollow eyes, a light she recognized from the way her father looked at her. Caring. But her fingers stopped short. She looked back at the hala. Something inside her felt... warm... The impulses shot through her neck again, but Ava didn't fight them. She liked it, embraced it, the way she'd embraced her father. She looked back at her dad. Dead. Both of them are dead. Her family. Family. The child eaters helped her up. As rage boiled through her blackened veins, they led her back to Ravensfield, to her home, to eat. You've been listening to The Raven by David Jack Fletcher. That's it for this week. Thanks for being here with us, and we'll see you at the same time next week for more spooky tales. Enjoy your October, folks, and we'll talk again soon. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. all of our other shows and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. And that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username Viking Guitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill for yet another dance with darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listeners. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was hosted by, and its featured tale performed by, yours truly, Eric Peabody. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Nikki McSorley and Eric Peabody. Finalization by Craig Groschek and S.K. Brown. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for future production. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe to us to make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs.